You're listening to the Candid Comms podcast with Rachel Miller. Tune in for practical advice and inspirational ideas to help you focus on all things internal communication related. Hello and welcome to the show. Today's episode is focused on the world of artificial intelligence AI. What does it mean for internal communication? How can we keep up? What is going on? What do you need to know? I know this will not be the only time that I talk about AI, but it's certainly the first time that I've done so on the Candid Comms podcast. I've had lots of conversations with clients and comms friends. So today I thought I'd record an episode. Thank you to everyone who's got in touch and asked me to record an episode on AI. This is for you. Get ready, get a notebook, and let's get started. What do you think? of this definition of internal communication. Internal communication refers to the communication that takes place within an organization among employees, managers, and other stakeholders. This can include communication through formal channels, such as company meetings and memos, as well as informal channels, such as conversations and email. The goal of internal communication is to ensure all members of the organisation are informed and aligned on the company's goals and strategies and that they have the information they need to do their jobs effectively. What do you think of that definition? That came back for me in chat GPT when I typed in what is internal communication in January 2023. I was curious to see what would come back. And as a definition... There's a few things there that are missing for me. There's nothing about employee voice and two-way conversations and nothing about culture or belonging. There's a few missing things. But in a nutshell, as a succinct definition of what internal communication is, that's pretty spot on for me. So that was my very first discovery when thinking about the world of AI and trying to get my head around what is going on and what are all these new tools that are happening that we have at our fingertips and our disposal inside our organisations. So I decided to log in to ChatGPT and ask it, what is internal communication? And that's what came back. I wonder what you think about that definition. I'm going to bust some jargon before we move on because I feel like we could go down an absolute rabbit hole in thinking about the future of technology and all the whizzy shiny things that are around and you'll know comms friends if you've listened to the Candid Comms podcast before I often describe the new shiny things as comms bling and I always always champion taking a moment to pause and reflect and really understand what are the business problems that we're trying to solve that make us think this new widget or this new app or this new channel is the solution to our problem. Today, as we think about AI and we look at all the things that are happening and all of the conversations that are bubbling up in the wonderful world of internal communication at the moment, I encourage you to still think about that and bear that in mind. Go into this discussion with a degree of caution and an element of curiosity to learn about what's out there, but be really crystal clear in the same way you would for any new channel, for any new thing, 
make sure you are asking the right questions, make sure you're approaching it with the mindset of how can I make sure that we're working ethically, we're working sensitively, we're working in a trustful way that is right for our organisations. Regardless of what the shiny thing is, the comms bling is, that mindset is so important for us as internal communicators. Before we go any further, let's bust some of the jargon. I talk there about artificial intelligence, AI, and chat GPT. I'm going to define what these things are. So if you've not heard of them before, and it's unthinkable today to think that we haven't come across these ideas and these platforms and technologies and phrases, but let's just start at the very, very beginning comms friends, because this is what we do as internal communicators. We try and create consistency, clarity, and certainty in all the work that we do. So I'm going to apply that mindset to our conversation today about AI. A white paper was published in 2023 by the Institute of Internal Communication that looked at AI and the future of internal communication. And this white paper was in partnership with an organization called Working the Future. And it's super useful. I will include a link in the show notes at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast in the show notes for this episode. But I'm going to take some of the definitions and descriptions from that white paper because I think it's a really good one. And because in particular, it's looking at this world through the lens of internal communication. In terms of a potted history of artificial intelligence, at its most simple, AI can be described as the intelligence generated by computers. This is the description from the IOIC white paper. It says, established as a formal academic discipline in the 1950s, computer scientists have worked relentlessly to create software programming rules known as algorithms that enable machines to learn, reason, generalise and infer meaning. So a basic hypothesis of AI is that computing power can recreate the human brain's capacity for intelligence and ultimately to succeed it. Now, there's been various research over the years. This is from the 1950s. So over the last 70 years, research has been developing as the years and the decades have gone on. The start of the 21st century saw renewed interest in the potential of AI, and that's been enabled by some significant advances in computational processing power, the falling cost of computer hardware, the rise of cloud computing, and the availability of big data. So given the excitement surrounding the potential of AI, unsurprisingly, this area has surfaced again in terms of research and development, and it's attracting huge investment around the globe. According to this white paper, the global AI market size was valued at $454.12 billion in 2022, and it's forecast to reach over $2.5 trillion by 2032. That's the global AI market size. So this is huge. The reach and the scope is huge and the figures are massive. What I want us to think about today is what all of this means for us as internal communicators. One of the phrases that I'm sure you've heard already is generative AI or gen AI. This is based on large language models and it's a variant of AI that is able to create written or visual content in response to human prompting. I mentioned ChatGPT at the very start of this conversation. That is an example of generative AI. I was able to use a prompt 
I was able to type in. So a prompt is a, is a command, it's a control, it's a trigger that you use to unlock something. So in the case of using ChatGPT, I very simply asked, what is internal communication? And that prompted ChatGPT to respond to me and give me the answer that I read to you. The Institute of Internal Communication say that generative AI is also the form of AI that we and colleagues inside our organisations will initially and increasingly be exposed to as part of our working lives. And it's the principal focus of the white paper that I've just mentioned. Something else to be mindful of in terms of terminology is large language models or LLMs. They're a great example of machine learning, which is where it's performing natural language processing tasks. So they're generating text, they're classifying text, answering questions and translating content. According to the white paper, LLMs are trained on huge volumes of text data, learning patterns and the relationships within it, with the aim of predicting the next likely word in a sentence structure based on its context. Something else to bear in mind is neural AI and machine learning or ML. Most advances in AI over the last two decades have focused on neural networks and machine learning. And it's most simple, we're showing a computer program what we want it to do by using training inputs. For example, we can teach a computer program how to recognize faces, and then in facial recognition, the program is shown training data in the form of input and output pairs. Now you might have heard of that term before, machine learning. It's a fairly broad term and it's used to describe the ability of a computer program to learn from past data and performance to improve future output. So thinking about machine learning, a primary objective of it on pre-existing computers today is to classify data and then make predictions of future outcomes based on that, that data and that information. So it requires a lot of high quality training data. ChatGPT that I mentioned a moment ago captured the imagination of people around the world and it's a brand name of a product that was created by Silicon Valley firm OpenAI and it can create content in response to input as I did when I typed in what is internal communication. You can ask it any sorts of question like that I've asked it all sorts of things. I've asked it about employee experience. I've asked it, what is all things I see and who is all things I see? And I've been really surprised by the responses and how good the responses have been. However, they've not been 100% accurate. And that's something that we'll talk about in a moment. And that's really critical for us to bear in mind as internal communicators. So thinking about ChatGPT in particular, it's a large language model. So it's using deep learning algorithms across huge sets of data across the internet. So when it was answering questions about what and who all things I see is, it was using content that it found on my website, for example. So it was lifting and shifting lots of information that it found online to return in super quick time a response that made sense. The Institute of Internal Communication say the huge data set being used as input data is the internet, which includes every post ever made on social media or other public discussion websites. And naturally, the internet contains as much opinion as it does fact. And here's where the fact checking really comes into its own and where we really need to make sure this is something that 
you can't really replace humans for in terms of checking all of the facts. So when you're looking, when I'm looking at what is internal communication or I'm looking at the answer to who or what is all things I see, I know instinctively what's incorrect from those responses because I'm a subject matter expert in both internal communication and also in all things I see in my business. It's, I've been running it for 10 years. I know it inside and out. So when I'm looking at the response and it was a, a fascinating response that came back to what is all things I see. The only thing that really surprised me, I think actually, was at the very end of that description. The bottom bit said that all things I see run an annual conference. When I wrote what is all things I see, we hadn't announced at all that we were running all things I see live. So I was so surprised when it came back, but that was inaccurate. It was inaccurate to say that we were running an annual conference. And in fact, when we did all things I see live in May, it's a supersized masterclass and mastermind. We don't describe it as a conference. It's a training opportunity. So it was nearly right. It was nearly accurate, but we hadn't even announced that. So that was spooky to read. But on the whole, pretty good information actually. I'm going to focus us on one thing to know, one thing to do and one thing to think about when we're considering the world of AI and all things future tech related. And these three things come from the white paper from the Institute of Internal Communication, which I've already referenced and I will include in the show notes. Something that we need to know is the accuracy. It's the fact checking. It's the critical thinking. So As ever, when we are working in internal communication, we need to be mindful of what we're sharing. We need to have credible, accurate and reliable information, particularly if we're helping our people to do their jobs and they're relying on the credibility, accuracy and reliability of the information. Something that we need to know is what the truth is, what the facts are inside our organisation. We need to be on alert for things which aren't correct. Because we have the ability now through technology to create situations that haven't existed. So let me give you an example. For example, you could use one of the new programs that exist to create an image of something that didn't happen. Imagine that you and I are creating content for our weekly email newsletter. And we know that our CEO went to the front line, went to factory floors and did a visit over the past week. However, no photograph was taken. We now have the ability to use these new tools and use this new technology to create an image of an event that happened that we didn't capture. So if you didn't take a photograph or have a photograph taken of your CEO visiting a factory, you could create a prompt and you could ask for an image to be generated showing your CEO in one of your factory environments. Now, ethically, every single part of that sets my teeth on edge. That isn't accurate. It's not the right thing to do morally and ethically. The situation happened, the CEO did go to the factory, but you don't have a photograph from that event. When you are using technology to recreate something that has happened, but you're presenting it as fact, that is false. And Ethically and morally, that completely jars with me. That's the wrong thing to do. Even worse, if they didn't go to that factory at all and you're doing a roundup, perhaps an end of year video or annual report, and you think, oh, they haven't done enough visits to the front line. That's all right. We can just mock one up. We've always had that ability in Photoshop, frankly, if you've got good Photoshop skills. 
but I hope you've never done that. We know ethically comms friends that that is the wrong thing to do. The word of caution for me here is just because you can use technology to recreate or create a situation and present it in the way that it looks like here is our CEO on a factory floor on the front line that was taken at the time. If it actually wasn't, don't do it. Don't be tempted. The amazing thing with AI and generative AI and all of these new technologies and capabilities is it gives us more opportunity to show different situations and different scenarios that haven't actually happened. You can create videos. I'm sure you've seen deep fake videos online. There was a uh, very famous image, for example, of the Pope who was seen to be smoking and wearing a puffer jacket, which obviously obviously we know was faked but it looked so real it looked authentic how long comes friends before you and I are having conversations about what do we do about this picture of our CEO or senior leaders doing things that they shouldn't be doing or being in places that they shouldn't be doing things they shouldn't be doing and they're not real they're completely completely fake or there's videos that surface online that look like and then purport to be our CEO saying something. It uses their voice to be deep fake um, images or voice cloning. And it's not a scenario that happened, but it's been created because there's enough data about them available where their voice could be scraped. I'm saying this as someone who's doing a podcast who's very aware this is the fifth season of my podcast and a lot of audio content is available online of my voice. I'm very conscious of that as I'm sharing that example with you. Now, the key thing for us to consider, comms friends, is being mindful of the risk here because, yeah, people could have done Photoshop in the past, but you can normally tell unless people have got some exceedingly good Photoshop skills. You can normally tell when images aren't quite right. What's been very surprising for me as I've tried to learn and be curious about the world of AI and generative AI and all these new things that are happening is how good they are and how realistic they look, frighteningly so actually. I read something recently that was talking about the role of AI and internal communication and one of the key things that I took away from that conversation was AI won't replace everybody's jobs. But somebody who understands how to use AI could replace your job, which I thought was really interesting. So just to repeat that, it's not that AI will completely replace you, but somebody who understands more about AI than you could potentially be hired rather than you. So something that really stood out for me and it really made me think it's not optional to ignore the world of AI. In the same way, in 2008-9, when all the conversations were happening about social media and internal communication, and there was so much, I was going to say panic, actually. I don't know if panic is the right word. There was so much scepticism, and there was so much that we didn't know in the world of internal communication at the time. There was a bit of panic on the edges. This was more along the lines of, oh my goodness, how do we get our heads around this? What do we need to know? What does it mean? Is it people using social media like Twitter and their external platforms or X as it is now? Let's not even go there, comms friends. That's a whole episode. (laughs) 
it could be in its own right. We won't go, won't go down that that rabbit hole today. Um, but at the time in 2008-9 when all of these conversations were happening, there was a sense that we can't imagine how to use social media for internal communication. We can't imagine people using collaboration tools to communicate across an organisation, to have horizontal networks, not just hierarchical. Fast forward to today, I can't imagine not working in that way inside organisations. It's part and parcel of the way that we communicate. What felt like an add-on to have enterprise social networks, for example, is just now embedded into a way that lots and lots of organisations work and communicate. This was a really steep learning curve. But we did what we always do as internal communicators. We swap notes. We started talking as peers. We started to have conversations at conferences and when we were doing networking events and there were white papers and books and things that were published to really help us all learn together and nowadays it's part and parcel of the way we communicate it doesn't feel like some big scary thing I feel like all the conversations that are happening today about AI is because it feels new I've just shared how lots of things have actually been around since the 1950s but what we're seeing today is the proliferation of new tools, new techniques, new technologies, where it's kind of tipped over into the way that companies are starting to communicate and the way that people are starting to think and the way that they're starting to use AI and generative AI particularly in their personal lives. And therefore, we're seeing some of it pull through into organisational communication and that will increase and increase and increase. It will be unthinkable, comms friends, to be sat here in this studio recording a conversation in five years time or 10 years time and not to have some kind of reference to AI. It will just be baked into the way that we communicate in the same way we are now working out loud and collaborating and using We don't even call it enterprise social networks anymore. It's just the way that we communicate inside organisations. That shift took a little while. I think this one will be a lot quicker. So something you need to know is the critical thinking and the fact checking. So being really mindful of corroborating and validating, looking at multiple sources, not just using things like ChatGPT and using whatever comes back as a source of truth. You need to, as we always need to do as internal communicators, you need to be corroborating, validating with multiple sources. Be aware of deep fake images, be aware of voice cloning, be aware of fake news articles. So if there are fake news articles that pop up online about your organisation that your employees are reading and they believe them to be a source of truth. There's a real role there for organisations to check the facts and to push back when things are inaccurate and to be that source of truth internally. It's such a critical role for us. It always has been, but I feel like it's going to become even more important in the future being mindful too of misinformation particularly. So if it's disseminated by bots, for example. So misinformation and disinformation. There's lots of good information online about that. In fact, there's a really good toolkit from the Government Communication Service here in the UK. I'll include a link in the show notes at allthingsoc.com forward slash podcast in the show notes for this episode. But they have a really good disinformation toolkit called Resist and Desist, which will help you work your way through a framework if you want to learn more about misinformation and disinformation. 
again, this isn't a new topic. It's a topic that's been around for a while. We're aware of how to counteract and counterbalance disinformation and misinformation inside our organisations. However, the rise of things like AI means there's the potential, I'm not saying it will happen, but there's the potential for more information to be shared and generated about your organisation, which isn't credible, which isn't accurate, which isn't reliable, but it looks like it is. Let's move our conversation on to focus on what we need to do. And what I'd love to encourage you to do is to get curious and to get experimenting. I feel like the start of this conversation feels like it's quite negative or quite cautious about AI. And for sure, there's an undercurrent of cautiousness, for sure, because of all the deep fakes and because of all the potential to use these amazing tools and technology for bad purposes, frankly. However, I think it's really important for us as internal communicators that we keep curious, we remain curious and we're open to trying new things. So something I would love you to do is to experiment with AI. If you've never done it before, if you've never looked at OpenAI and ChatGPT, for example, or any of the other platforms, and I will put some links in the show notes. So if this is a whole new world for you, I will share some sites for you to check out. Something I encourage you to do is to give it a go. So I used the word prompt earlier and prompt engineering is a phrase that we are going to be hearing a lot more about. And that's all about learning how to craft inputs that produce high quality outputs. And this is something that the Institute of Internal Communication are encouraging us to do as a profession. They say the art of creating good quality generative AI prompts lies in the ability to blend good judgment and written communication skills. And that's what we're well versed at, comms friends. We know how to use good judgment and we know how to write well. So that's a great mindset to be in when you're trying to learn how to do prompt engineering. And remember, that's the instructions that you give and then how good the responses are that you get back often depend on how accurate and how clear you've been in the prompts. If you have vague prompts and it's all a bit ambiguous, then you're going to get vague and ambiguous content back. So there's a bit of a science and an art to working on prompts to get them working really, really well. I've been reading all sorts about how to use prompts online. So I will share some of the things that I've been reading in the show notes at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast in the show notes for this episode. Now, bear in mind that lots of these tools and technologies are open source, which means they're available online on the web. So as ever, whenever we're creating internal communication, we're mindful of the sensitivity of the data that we're handling. We're mindful of the access we have to information that other people don't have. So particularly if you are doing change communication, for example, you might have access to things like future org charts, you might know key messaging, you might know dates and times, the timeline. We know all sorts of things as internal communicators that aren't widely shared. Now, it could be really tempting, comms friends, to go to something like ChatGPT to plug in the information that you know and ask it to generate a set of key messages, say. Now, be really, really cautious because in the same way that you wouldn't have put that information on a public forum, for example, or within a LinkedIn group with a group of internal communicators and say, 
my company's planning XYZ, can you help me do ABC? And it's commercially sensitive and incredibly confidential. You know that we wouldn't do that. There is a nervousness there that people could do exactly that. And they could forget the normal rules that we have in place and be very excited by the potential of these amazing capabilities we now have at our fingertips and plug away and put information in. So it's super important that we try and safeguard against that. So I encourage you to experiment. Be cautious about the information that you're putting in to things like ChatGPT, for example. Be mindful of the information that you are creating as inputs because the more that these machines are given information, obviously the more that it will come back with answers that include the information that you're giving. Over time, it will learn. Um, at the moment, there's, as far as I understand it, lots of the information that's being scraped and that comes back is from set periods in time. I think over time, these sort of systems will continuously learn. So the more information that's put in, the more information that comes out. But be aware of what you're putting in because you might not want it coming back out, particularly if it's commercially sensitive. And the advice there from the Institute of Internal Communication is they say testing, measuring and recording methodology and outcomes allows a greater degree of discernment as to the most beneficial use cases. IC can ensure such experiments are documented to a standard that is helpful to the wider organisation. And I think that's so important. So they're encouraging us to learn, they're encouraging us to experiment, but also document as you go. What is it that you're doing? What is it you're trying? What is it that you're testing? Part of that for me is knowledge management. What do we know about what we know? If you're using prompts as an internal communicator, particularly if you're in a team, how can you share that with the rest of your team? What's working well? What are you trying, for example? I mentioned earlier about the potential impact on jobs and let's put a little bit of context there perhaps. So according to the Institute of Internal Communication, for almost two decades, people who are interested in the future and emerging trends have rung alarm bells about the possible consequences of technology on work in the 21st century. In 2013, academics Carl Frey and Michael Osborne released their globally renowned paper entitled The Future of Employment. And in that research, and I'll link to it in the show notes, in the research, they looked at more than 700 occupations to identify which might be impacted by automation, AI and robotics. And they concluded a staggering 47% of jobs were vulnerable to automation. Now, this data has been challenged various times. However, there still are significant concerns about the impact of AI and automation on jobs, income, security and employment. Now, I think it's fair to say that when we're thinking about automation and, and creating automated tasks, for example, for internal communication, it could be incredibly helpful to automate the things which are mundane, for example. So things like if people leave an organisation, your distribution list get automatically updated. Now, <laughs> what an amazing impact that would be. Honestly, that conversation, comms friends, is a constant one that I have with internal communicators. We rely on our people data to be credible because we use it to share emails with them, you know, email newsletters, for example. We rely on our people data to help us know who to invite to focus groups, etc. Imagine if you didn't have to get a manual list from HR every month and manually update your distribution list. 
Now, I imagine some people listening to this might think, well, we already do that. We already have an automated way of doing it. Excellent. Well done. I'm really pleased to hear that. That is not the case in lots of organisations. So well done you if you are ahead of the curve already. And that automatically happens when people join the organisation or they leave the organisation. The internal communication distribution lists get updated. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I will leave you one thing to think about. See you in a moment. Candid Comms is brought to you by All Things I See. My brilliant team and I offer consultancy, training and mentoring to help you thrive in your internal communication role. You can choose from online learning, in-person and bespoke courses. Topics range from measurement to strategy and how to be an internal communicator. See allthingsic.com for more information and use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout to save 10%. If you're struggling with your internal communication, help is at hand. We can mentor you, conduct audits, advise on your channels and much more. Contact us via hello at allthingsic.com and we'll talk it through together. Welcome back. In the final part of today's episode, I'm going to leave you with one thing to think about. In fact, that's a fib. I've got two things for you to think about. The first thing is security basics. This is the third element of the white paper from the Institute of Internal Communication that I promised that I would share with you. And security basics is the need to understand the importance and value of your proprietary info and data security. I've already talked about the commercially sensitive data that you have access to inside your organization and making sure that it's not being shared online. The Institute of Internal Comms say the use of generative AI will probably need its own policy inside organizations. Now, this doesn't just rest on the shoulders of internal communicators. This should be a collaborative effort. So I encourage you to think about this for your organisation. If there isn't a policy internally already that covers generative AI and AI as a whole, then this needs to be a collaborative effort between the internal comms team, IT team and probably the HR team as well. In the same way, when I was talking earlier about enterprise social networks and using social media for internal communication, many of us who were working in-house and internal comms at that time had to create policies and advice and guidance to help colleagues understand how to operate and have flexibility within boundaries by setting the boundaries. Here we go again. This is the phase that we're at, comms friends. We're at this point in time where it probably is sensible to do the thinking before you really need to rely on a policy. So do have that conversation. Something I want you to think about is having conversations with your IT colleagues and your HR colleagues about AI to see what's in place already, to see what's on the horizon and to make sure if something exists already, you're aware of it and that you can signpost colleagues to it inside your organisation. The second thing that I want us to think about is considering content and whether it should be marked for transparency. So if you're using AI content as part of your internal communication, 
Have you thought about marking that this was generated by AI? You may decide that using AI or something to automate what you're doing is just part and parcel of the work and the way that you are now operating. And it doesn't need to be declared. It doesn't need to be spoken about. It's just the way that you are now going to be communicating. That is your prerogative. That is your choice. However, consider whether you need to identify whether content has been created using AI or not. If that's not a conversation that you've had internally, I encourage you to talk about it in your next team meeting or with your peers or with people that you mentor. I feel like there is an expectation for us to have an answer on this. My gut feel, my instinct always is to be honest. I've just finished writing a book on internal communication. If you're listening in the future, it should be available from May 2024. So you should be able to get hold of the book, which is called Internal Communication Strategy, Design, Develop and Transform Your Organisational Communication. If you're listening before May 2024, then you can pre-order it by your favourite bookstore. In the final chapter, in chapter eight of my book, I was writing about the future of internal communication and I was reflecting on where we're at now. And I wrote a whole chunk on AI and the future of internal communication. And as part of my writing, I found myself writing and declaring that no part of that book was written using AI. I didn't use AI at all. Every single word that I wrote in that book, all 80,000 of them, were written from the heart, actually. They're written from my head and my heart and my notebooks and for my expert views, all the people who've contributed their views and their advice and guidance as expert views and case studies in the book. We were not using AI. So I felt the need to declare that. And I, as I did so before I submitted it, to the publishers, I found myself reflecting, thinking, I wonder how many books in the future will be automated. I wonder how many people will write using AI. And I wonder how much time that they will save, frankly. But ethically and morally, I felt the need to declare, I have not written any of this book using AI at all. I felt that that was a really important thing to say. It, it, it would sit badly with me, it would jar with me if somebody picked up my book and assumed that I hadn't written it and that any part of it had been automated. So I found myself declaring it. So I'm sharing that with you as a very personal example. In so much as it's for you to decide whether to mark content as AI content and you're marking it for transparency, I wonder whether we'll see the opposite as well, where we'll see articles that say, not written by, by AI. I wonder, I don't know. I'm so curious about this comms, friends. I would love to know what you think about this topic. As we come to the close of this episode today, I'm gonna to make you a promise that I will come back to this topic in future. In particular, how to use AI for internal communication, because I've written about that in the final part of my book and I'd love to hear some stories and some examples of how people are using AI. So a bit of a call to action for you comms friends. If you're using AI inside your organisation for your internal comms, you have a great story to share, please do get in touch with me. I'd love to discover what you're doing. Why not message me? Hello at allthingsic.com. 
hope you found this episode useful. As ever, I love hearing from you. You can find me online. Why not look me up, Rachel Miller, on LinkedIn. I'm Rachel All Things I See on Instagram. Or why not send me a message via the website, hello at allthingsic.com. I'd love to know what you are taking away from this episode and what you hope to do differently as a result of listening to Candid Comms. And remember, what happens inside is reflected outside. See you again soon.